0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: I haven't left this mortal coil. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm still here, still here, looking forward to having a chat next week. Barrel, she's <laughs>
0: back! Bang, <laughs> bang, 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 bang on. Hello, Miff. Hello, Zan. How you going? I'm so happy to see you. A week off felt like a long time, and a lot of things happened in the last two weeks. Everyone was like, "I'm so excited that Bang On's dropping on Friday," and I was like, "Well, clearly you didn't listen to the last episode because we (laughs) told you we were taking a week off. Uh, No judgment, but we're back. It's very, very good to be back with you uh, after a little break. What did you do
1: on your break? Did you go out for lunch with friends, drink wine? Did you get a massage? Did you get a haircut? Maybe going for a mani or a pedi. Yeah, I went to Bali for a week, actually. I'm oh, nice. surprised you didn't see that pop up on my socials. <laughs>
0: been very busy doing all kinds of things.
1: Ah, Live yeah, to dream. It's been a time. Live to dream. <laughs> oh, soon, look, soon. Soon, soon, soon. It's all happening. So I, I feel like we're coming out. I feel like the bear coming out at the end of hibernation. I feel like that's it. I've just got to scrape off. A few layers of skin and, and that, the barnacles. That, that's right, and um, or maybe I'm like a grumpy snake coming out of coming out of hi- hibernation too. They get they all sort of sort of sort of weird and and aggressive, but like really enthusiastic. That's that's me. That's me. How are you? What are you? What what sort of animal coming out of hibernation will you be?
0: <laughs> Grumpy snake that's amazing. I don't know if I can top that. Um I'm just a bear. I've been sleeping a long time. I've definitely been storing nuts for winter. Oh, uh, up like your a squirrel bum. almost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> is that true? Do they well um, no. How do they not poo for like I'm sure this is a really easy to answer question that I've never looked up. But how do they sleep for that all that time? Is it that they do I've heard stuff something up rocks up there or something so they don't poo. Is that right?
0: I have no idea.
1: Okay, I probably could just look that up on Google rather than um, <laughs> rather than bring that to the podcast. But anyway, <sighs> all the Bang Fam are just like, well, I didn't miss them that much. <laughs> <laughs> all right, someone in the Bang Fam can a- answer that one for us. I think. Oh,
0: you know that the inbox is going to be absolutely full to the brim, and you know who's going to be fielding all those emails? That'll be you.
1: <laughs> I love to <laughs> exactly. make your work life easy. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. No, It's nice to Um, be back. Missed you.
0: Missed you too. And I was so excited that we could return in one of, I know, your favourite weeks. Bird of the Year kicked off at the start of this week. This is the annual poll put together by The Guardian Australia
1: and BirdLife, I think it is.
0: BirdLife Australia, BirdLife Oz, my favourite organisation.
1: Occasionally I help them out with their bird count by counting birds. Of course.
0: See, I was trying to remember if you were an ambassador for the Bird of the Year, but no, bird count is what you've... Um, mm. Tipped a cap too, tipped yep. a feather too. I'll be, and a this, I'll be back joining them. This
1: I'll be back during them this year because they're like, oh, how are you going? What are you doing this year? Do you want to? Are you are you busy? And I'm like, mm. and they're like, do you want to be bird count ambassador again? I said, of course. But I I actually love our birds, and and I find all this stuff a really great way to get to know what birds are around you. And and I think we've all been looking at the skies during yeah. lockdown too. They our the little lives that go on around our houses are so much more important now. And, yeah, yeah. I feel like I, I'm I'm much more connected uh, because of lockdown. If there's any advantages of of having this experience, much more connected to the little lives around my house, and I love that.
0: Totally, I think it's been a really big rise in the last couple of years of the the big bird of the year thing. Not just mm. because we're really much more aware of our natural surrounds, but there's less noise, there's less traffic, there's less mm. you know airplane noise. You can hear it. I've been hearing the birds, particularly at the moment, because the sun is coming up so much earlier before we kick into daylight savings. More on that later on. Oh, my God.
1: So much more on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But the the birds, it just, you know, they're so much more majestic. We're just noticing them more. Mm. And I'm I'm here for it. I know that you are a massive fan of the superb blue fairy wren. I just checked the tally and already out front. The dirty
1: bird, your favourite bird, because it really gets around. Mm, That's right. Most promiscuous of all the birds. Um, (laughs) I do love that one. But look, I'm... I'm 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 happy to go with any bird, you know. I like a I like a bog standard bird as well. Um just your, A tawny frogmouth. Tawny frogmouth Well that's not bog standard. They they can spin their heads and they're they're like owls but serious? not. They're like they're like daddy long legs that are are they spiders or insects? I'm not sure. Anyway, they're hiding something <laughs> one side of themselves anyway. Um and look, the glamorous birds are great and that's why I love the, the fairy wren. But look, I, I feel like we need to We need to put some votes in for some some bog standard birds out there as well because they're just as special. They're all special. They might not be as pretty. Um, I'm I'm here for – look, I know it was controversial a couple of years ago with the ibis, the bin Mm. chicken getting in but the magpie topping it. But magpies are beautiful. Put a vote in for the magpie. They've got a bad rap. But they are just divine birds. Love them. Absolutely love them. Um,
0: They're already getting a few votes, too. I just checked in and the Ibis and the Magpie have got plenty of backers, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: but you need to do it quickly. And this is what I love, the headline of the Bird of the Year competition. You imagine it like a... Uh, a film promo. It's like fifty birds, two weeks, <laughs> only one winner, and there we have it. We've got the bird of the year. So you need to get in early if you've got a favourite bird, um, and because they get there's elimination get rounds too. Like
0: it just keeps on going, and yeah, in loops. People are calling it the Hunger Games for That's birds. Right. Which is quite <laughs> Brutal. I know. I'm going for the um I'm going for the Gouldian Finch this Aww. year. It is a pretty bird. It's a little it looks like a rainbow explosion in a tiny little bird. Mm. But also they um they live in the out- outback. And so they're a really bright bird that lives in the outback in quite harsh conditions. Mm. And they almost didn't they have dealt with trapping, disease, inappropriate grazing and fire regimes, but they're making a comeback in some cases due to traditional burning practices. Um, and they're making a hard comeback in the top end. So I'm putting my vote, or at least this week, behind the Gouldian Finch. Okay. That's the thing. Do you back the same bird all the way through, or do you change it? Do you th- spread
1: your vote around? I think you spread your vote around. Each year can be different. Oh. You know, it's like Eurovision. The world doesn't know what its, <laughs> its favourite is every year until it happens. And, you know, you can work out the mood of the country by what bird they choose. Um, and this year, I think I might be going in for the satin bowerbird because um, I don't know they don't get a lot of attention, but gee, they put in a lot of work. They meticulous Oh, bowerbirds are amazing. They meticulously collect things for their nest to show off to their lady friends, um, and they put on a huge dancing display. And if anything that we need coming out of lockdown is that, and that's a nice place to go. And someone to have a dance with. So yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling the Saturn Bowerbird this year. I love I love Bowerbirds anyway, but um, I think particularly this year, they're only on 320 votes. Give them a go. That's, that's my punt.
0: We'll put a link in where you can vote for your Bird of the Year and, of course, we'll keep you up to date with how things are travelling. Obviously very invested in this and just mm. a beautiful little bright spark in some challenging times. Mm. Speaking of other things that we're looking at, I loved this article that you just sent to me about streaming services, binning the binge. Because I've found myself never before since the before times of Netflix um, have I been so hooked on so many shows that I'm waiting each week for, you know, Tuesday night when the Only Murders in the Building episode drops. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for that no tip. No worries. Friday for Mining Morning Wars and for Ted Lasso, you know, Friday night also for Nine Perfect Strangers, which just came around. Like there are so many weekly shows now. We've really gone back to that model, haven't we? Yeah,
1: that's right. The article um, has said that Netflix has changed how we watch TV. But the thing is the competitors are changing it back. So this is not happening necessarily on Netflix. It's on your other streamers, like you binge, like you stan and Apple TV. And the article suggests that this whole concept of appointment viewing is great because it's tied to belonging um, and it creates Mm. water cooler conversation. It creates community. And I think, yeah, to an extent that's right. But I do think the success of having things that come out more in a kind of appointment way is that at the moment it gives us all something to look forward to because we've got sweet fa to be honest 100 it's <laughs> something to hang our
0: days off you know you see everyone sort of tweeting on friday it's like ted lasso just dropped everyone's excited that's mm. obviously one of the most feel-good shows at the moment oh, that no, everyone is really where are holding you at in the series where are you at <laughs> Oh my look there's it's definitely there's some nuance in the last couple of episodes, that's for sure, but I'm
1: enjoying it. There's still hope, there's still positivity. That's true, but like uh, series one was hope and positivity, series two, trauma. It's killing But dealing me. with
0: trauma, <laughs> slowly but surely dealing with trauma. I it's reality. I, they can't always be super peachy
1: keen. That wouldn't get no, boring as well, right? I know, but I feel like this one's gone the other way now. It's like, oh, God, this is getting dark.
0: <laughs> just as a side note, for anybody who was confused, if you're watching Ted Lasso, about the episode with Beard that just aired a couple of weeks mm. ago, the reason that it feels so standalone is because the producers delivered the series to Apple TV um, before the first series had finished. Mm. They were like, here's our plan. We've written the whole new, you know, set of 10 or 12 episodes or whatever. And then the season one was so successful that Apple TV said, we want a couple more episodes. So (laughs) they've slotted in. Two extra episodes that are just completely standalone, Mm. but they, instead of like rewriting the series, because writing a series has a narrative arc, you know, you can't just like add more in. So that's why that standalone episode of Beard might've been a bit confusing. It just made me want to go to the club, quite frankly, and I was here for it. (laughs) Um, But if anybody's confused, that's why it sort of felt kind of out of shape. But this idea of like gathering around and having something to, to talk about and to tune into. Even like, you know, I've been raving on Back to Nature on ABC TV mm. on Tuesday nights. That's become my appointment, particularly because Tuesdays are always a really kind of hectic day for me at work. And I have to get up super early the next day to do TV. I just, it's it's almost like my Tuesday night meditation. Ooh, I like that idea. And I've been loving that. And the newsreader as well, like even ABC a little while ago started putting up these big series Um, on TV, but then they'd also be like, like that, binge the whole thing on iView. They did it with Starstruck. They did it with other things. But they're not doing that necessarily anymore. They've gone back to that model, not for everything, but for things like the Newsreader and for the new series Fires where they're, you know, evening it out. And I do think that there's, there's something almost like... I won't wouldn't say achievement based but there's something about sort of saying I binged the whole series over the weekend mm. which is fine and I've done it before myself but there's something really nice about sitting with a narrative and letting each episode just sit with you and really think about it than just consuming and you know getting it done mm. like like there's there's so much content out of there out there and I kind of like being forcibly slowed down from just sitting in front of the box I like, and just consuming it and then forget. Like there's yeah. so many shows. I've started writing down the shows that I watch because I actually watch them so quickly that I forget about them. And I mean, what's the
1: point of that? Yeah, that's true. I kind of like being able to watch things when I want to watch them though, because, you know, I'm in lockdown and I'm like, oh fuck, I need another episode now. It's really good. Yeah. But interestingly, this article has suggested that creating appointment television affects the writing significantly as well. Bevan Lee, who created Pack to the Rafters, said, the good thing with binge form is that the writing can be more driven and direct without concern for viewers losing plot threads through separation of episodes um, and as opposed to when you have to deliver weekly dramas. So I found that a bit of a problem actually and I'm going to talk about Morning Wars, the second series that's up now when we bang on, um, mm. but I found it really confusing. When they do write a series that is meant for binging, there's a lot of stuff that happens that isn't necessarily as clear as it would be if it was written for week to week. And Mm. I started watching Morning Wars series two and I didn't know what, had no idea what what was going on, no idea at all. I was like, oh, God, who is that character? What is that minor plot story that, that, you know, I, I understood at the time and I found the kind of, Having to build up to watching that second series <laughs> took more time than actually watching the first episode. I was like, oh, "What?" Kept looking back. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting, isn't it, that binge has created a different actual form of television writing. I, yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, not, I'm not saying either's good or bad, but it it does get quite confusing. Maybe maybe a bit more simple and week by week is is better for our brains too. Recaps also help. Little recaps. I, did you not watch the recap at the start of Morning Wars season two? I did, two? but there were still characters that I was like <laughs> <laughs> you. I've already forgotten you and it's only It's been true. A year. I needed to
0: Google a little bit too. You're yeah. right. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah. Netflix isn't going to go back to this week by week idea. They're still going to, you know, and they're the most successful streaming service in Australia. Mm. It's worth mentioning. They're going to continue just to lob on, you know, whole series mm. at a time and, and let people consume the hell out of them. That's yeah. what they do. That's their remit and it works for them.
1: And they are successful too because they have an incredible television series called, um, Sex Life that I hate watched just for you, which in brief news has a new season on the way. More of the same, absolute shite, and I will take one for the team and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your service. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Zan, thank you for pointing out this excellent Xanthe Mallet piece in the conversation about the, the Gabby Petito case with the headline The Gabby Petito case has been exploited by the media. We need to stop treating human tragedy as entertainment. And I think when I was reading it, I was I had so many oh yes, absolutely, moments during this. All mm. things I knew, but uh, certainly um, pointed it out absolutely clear clearly how how the is kind of, and the 24-hour news cycle really contributes to this sense of these people no longer being human beings. Um, it's just a case and it's just something for people to exploit. It's something for people to gain Instagram followers from through exploring in their own ways and making a a million podcasts. I mean, Only Murders in the Building talks about that too, Um, Mm. this obsession with a murder in a building but the podcast that that would go with it, you know. So I think the Gabby Petito case is particularly pertinent at the moment because of so much that's going on around and conversations going on around the exploitation of, of human tragedy. So thank you for pointing it out.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to assume that most Bang fan would have heard about this, but if you oh, haven't, yeah, of very basically, it's there's there's been a murder of a 22-year-old, Gabby Petito, that's who we're speaking about, and her fiancé, who's a 23-year-old guy called Brian Laundry, he's disappeared. Yeah. They were on a trip across America together, it was something that they were documenting on social media and gathering followers as they went along and went to all these incredible national parks. Uh, and then you know there's foul play has has been involved. Now he hasn't been charged, he's disappeared, um but she has been you know identified as being you know she's met with with a homicide, that's mm. how she's died. And there's a whole bunch of other things going on about how he came home with the van by himself and then his parents kind of hid him away and then he's just disappeared. There's mm. a whole other story there. But this, and an arrest warrant has been um, issued for him yeah. as well. But the it, it's a really, um, this is one of the reasons why I really don't like true crime podcasts and no judgment on anyone who does. I know it's one of the most successful genres, particularly amongst women as well. Um, but I just don't. I don't. I don't get my entertainment from the suffering of others. That's just not my vibe. Um, and like you say, the amount of podcasts that have sprung up covering this um, are huge. Even a Google search, which Xanthi did in the you know days of writing this piece this week, said that when you Google Gabby Petito, forty-one million hits mm. come back. There's there's TikToks. There's Twitter. There's over a billion posts with her name as a hashtag and everyone's just kind of lobbing in and claiming this narrative as a narrative instead of actually a real thing that's happening mm. to has happened to a woman is happening to a family and many friends and is truly tragic and it's fueled by this content that they have they have all of these Instagram posts from the victim and her boyfriend who was travelling with her. They've got that police interaction Mm. of the body cam where you can see that she's in distress um, and that's one of the last known spottings of her. And in essence, it's all the elements of what goes into a true crime narrative, you know. You've got all the mystery and the hooks and all of that stuff from things that we've devoured, you know, things like serial and case Mm. file and and Baraville, as as Xanthi points out. But she also points out this is not a TV show or a movie and I think we forget about this Mm. when we have these people at arm's length and when true crime stories go to air on television and increasingly hugely on, on podcasts is that we forget that it's... It's a woman's life and her death, and these stories are often based around uh, the suffering of women, Mm. largely when you look at true crime podcasts, and these final days of Gabby Petito are being treated as as entertainment. You mentioned the Instagram thing as well. I find that so sickening that people are... Creating Instagram accounts in her name because they see that as a way of getting followers. That's just so cynical it's crook, and awful. Isn't it? It's crook.
1: It's so crook. Yeah. It's um, so yuck. I know. Look, I have to say, I am a fan of some true crime podcasts. Um, I, I think, like, say, in cases, and 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 Rach Brown's a friend of mine. I'll say it, say it openly. But podcasts like Trace, where it comes to having. Um, coroner's inquiries into cases that have have lain dormant for years um, with no answers, mostly because of uh, police bungling and, of course, protection of organisations such as religious organisations. I think those sort of cases are very valid, uh, particularly for the family who are wanting answers and wanting justice to be served. I think that's great. Like, I have no problems with that sort of thing. But this sort of latching on to... Latching onto something that, that there is so much footage of online that's happening now um, and creating a narrative about the disappearance and death, I think that's really problematic because we saw that with the Amanda Knox story, which mm. we only discussed a couple of weeks ago. Once that mm. narrative is set in stone, there's sort of, there's nowhere to go from that in terms of the the general public's understanding of the nuances of a case. And, and I think that that has huge implications on the um, how justice is served in the courts. Um, But also uh, something that we haven't discussed about these sort of cases, quite often, as you said, it's about violence against women and I think that can be seen equally on our television screens, you know, not even true crime. Television crime shows are always about, usually, about a dead woman, you know. So there's a real obsession with that and I think I know, me personally, I am... I'm done with it because it's exhausting. I spend I spend enough days being, enough of my day being hypervigilant, you know, let alone have mm. to come home and see it on my telly screens. But there is very much an obsession with this missing white woman syndrome when you see the amount of interest in one young white woman to the detriment of of anybody else, uh, especially people what of- What stories
0: are valued, what people yeah, are valued. Especially yeah.
1: people of colour um, and, of course, here in Australia with deaths in custody. The imbalance is extraordinary when it comes to the interest in these white women's stories. So, not mm. saying that they shouldn't have attention, of course. Any mur- any any kind of disappearance or murder is an absolute tragedy, but I think maybe we should meter out who we latch on to um, or, or or consider more important than somebody else. I, that's what I think, anyway.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head with the Maria James case. This was an historical case. It's, as we can see, finally justice is being served and it's is—it's about the tone and the intent in which that story was told. But like you say, when it's happening in real time, when it's shifting the narrative without actually knowing what the story is and when the people who are involved are in an incredibly anxious and raw state, this is a horror. Can you imagine being the family involved in this? But there were so many moments in this article that really hit home and I'm so grateful that Xanthi, who's a forensic criminologist, she's the person who wrote this piece for The Conversation, um, has brought them up because they've been brought up before. They need to be brought up again cool. many times and just remind us, I guess, just kind of ground us in, you know, why do we listen and read and watch these stories? What are we drawn to and what does it say about the people whose stories that that we chase and, that, like you say, those the tragedies that are, that are highlighted over others. There's a lot to dig into mm. here. I don't have any big answers, but Xanthi
1: certainly opened my
0: eyes to a, yeah. a lot more questions I should be asking of myself.
1: I, I think choose wisely when it comes to what you choose to consume around particularly contemporary cases um, and, and, and go in with the knowledge that we are surrounded by a 24-hour news cycle that is latching onto this stuff. And it becomes trauma porn, you know, and I don't think that's healthy. So choose wisely, I guess, when it comes to the podcasts that you choose to listen to and those real tragedy, real life tragedy things that you choose to engage with.
0: Daylight savings is kicking in this Sunday. I'm so excited. I am a massive fan of longer days. Makes me feel hopeful of warmer months, summer nights, all of that stuff. And, of course, in parts of Australia that have been in lockdown, um, that end of the year is promising a lot more freedoms. But there's an interesting piece um, that you sent me (laughs) and I saw was trending hard on The Guardian this week about a proposal to extend daylight savings in the states where it already exists to two hours instead of one. And this is quite controversial because there's certain parts of Australia that already hate daylight savings. I know. Well, Queensland and WA
1: are telling us all to get stuffed right now. But um, <laughs> Elias Visante, I think that's how he's pronounced his surname or Visante, I'm not sure, Um has made a great argument for two hours extra daylight savings and, to be honest, after 200 and whatever days in lockdown, I'm here for it. I'm open to this idea now. I don't know what's what's changed but comes up with some really exceptional points. There's more time for outdoor dining, tick. More time for walking, tick. More time for beaches, tick. There's greater safety in the streets because it's not dark. There are less road accidents mm. because we all know that road accidents happen mostly at night um, mm. and... It has been done before during wartime. We've adjusted the clocks like this. So I don't know. I feel like I need to start enjoying life at night again. I don't want to go through summer and have to turn it off at 8.30 just because the sun's gone down. (laughs) Not that I would anyway, but.
0: (laughs) No, I'm like as if you
1: would. (laughs) I know, but like imagine how lovely that would be. And look, and I know that there's lots of people that hate it because there's a lot more darkness in the morning, but, you know, Come on. Not
0: that much, though. That's the thing. He, the, he makes a very compelling argument and also mentions less energy used. If you're switching the oh, yeah. lights on at night a little bit later, then less energy consumed. You'd save a whole lot of, um, of carbon output there. But I think at that, that point where he said, like, we've done it before and during wartime when uh, an energy crisis was being faced – the clocks were temporarily set ahead an hour to save energy. Let's just throw us a bone. Give us another two hours, mm. just for, as if they will. But go on, do it. <laughs> he also, he, he also, go on, do it. That, that's my, that's love, me being I a
1: politician. Love, I love how he's written this article, though, like as if it could happen. You know,
0: (laughs) that's what you've got to do. You've got to believe. You've got to, you know, it's like when you walk into a nightclub as though you belong there. You've got to walk through that door as though you were meant to be there. And that's exactly how he's doing it. Mm. He also, you know, has pointed out that we've seen in the last year and a half. Uh, about how the pandemic has normalised states governing in a more distinctive yes. way within the federa- federation. And for some people that's, you know, basically seceding. Um, but but maybe this is the time. It's like everyone's going it alone. Let's just have 16
1: different time zones in Australia. Mm. Let's go for it. I'm here for it. Well, it's already confusing AF, so why not? <laughs> I mean, we've been working in national media for a long time. It's never been easy, and this would just be like for everybody else. Welcome to our world. If we can do it, and I'm so bad with numbers and any kind of thought behind that, then you can do it too. So quickly remind me: is it wind it forward or wind it back? I don't know. No matter how many years I've been, so that's <laughs> okay. <good>. I just <laughs> let my I just let my phone do it, and I wake up in the morning going, yes, "That's it. Cool." I don't know if it went forward or back, but it doesn't matter. I and just even let when my phone do it. And even when it says you've got to wind it back, I'm still my head just goes, "What? What does that mean? <laughs> and how can you just decide to change the time? Like even if you Wait. can even if you can do it for 2 2 hours ahead or back or whatever. What? Does that mean it's all meaningless? All of time yes, is meaningless? Yes. Time is a construct. Fuck, I'm having an existential crisis. <laughs> stop it. I can't deal. It's too what much. are you banging on about this week? Ah, oh, Morning Wars, series two. Let's <laughs> get back to things I can discuss without losing my mind. God,
0: speaking of existential crises, mm. Jennifer Aniston going turbo—the intensity of her anxiety in this series. I'm waiting for, to the moment when she just kind of clicks into gear, but she's—it's
1: intense to watch. Me, yeah, I know, I know. The game is changing. My job is to ensure the stability of UBA. Alex, I need you to come back. You are the only thing that can save us. I don't think I've ever said that before. I'm not going to get edged out. Alex, leave me. I feel like I'm bringing in my big sister to clean up my mess. Man, you couldn't have planned this any better. Stepping away when you did. I was broken, Doug. Yeah. Ratings have been down. This network needs to clean up its act. Five. Trying to get ahead of this coronavirus thing. Someone should cover it. Well, Bradley can do it. Three. Don't forget, this is your show. And we're back. Two. I know I come with a history that not all of you love. One. Nine months ago, you opened a door, and you need to walk through it now. It's a lot and this is probably why I'm liking it. It's The first series was, was really, really busy in terms of content and in terms of the way it moved quickly and there was all sorts of things going on contributing to that final moment, which you'll see if you've seen the television series. Series 2 comes back picking up where that left off. Jennifer Aniston's ditched the morning show uh, business. She's decided mm. to, to, to get some help herself. Um, uh, there, it, there's a lot going on but I'm kind of loving it and I think maybe – it will be too much in the end. They're trying to tackle too many things. It's all based around me too, racism, sexism, privilege, um, a white women privilege, all of that stuff. Cancel culture, um, corporate media, but oh, and also the pandemic. Ser- episode two, which is yes, they just start to say, "Oh, there's this um, spicy cough in China that we probably should cover," and no one wants to. So. Mm. Um, it, it's dealing with that as well, so I think I think it's going to be interesting, but it's going to be a lot. But I don't know. I'm here for something a bit punchy, and you get to look inside people's really rich people's apartments in and houses in New York. And quite frankly, I'm just watching it for the real estate porn. Hence, why I'm oh looking forward to Succession as well. Steve Carell's summer house in Italy. Oh all of that. my god, is that George Clooney's house? I think that's Clooney's house on Lake Como. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I was
0: wondering if it was in coma. That's the first one I thought of as well.
1: Is that George's house? I think it's George's house. I'm pretty sure. He's just rented it out because, you know, when people rent out their houses, they get paid a fee. I think George has gone, Um, look, it's COVID. Uh, Feel free. Come on in. I'll let a film crew in. You can use my house, but I need, uh, he's probably going to get that $1,500 a day payment because he might need it right now. Who knows? Probably more than fifteen hundred dollars a day too. No, I don't think it would be. Just you know, imagine writing a little check for George. Hi, <laughs> no, George. Thanks for the use of your home for the film shoot. Here's a check for I'm loving this series as
0: well. Like it is, I, I agree with you. There's a lot going on. I think that what holds it is just it's such an incredible cast. Mm. You've got Mark Mark Duplass, Reese Witherspoon, Billy Crudup, who's incredible as. Um, the now head of the network like I've just I've met so many people like him oh. and of course uh, Jennifer Aniston and, and Steve Carell like it's just a phenomenal cast so I'm yeah. all in that is my appointment viewing every Friday yep. along with
1: Ted Lasso I'm all in. I know I know and for me it's like like you said there's many characters on there that we've dealt with before it, it's a little bit triggering like that that feeling mm. watching it that you will you're never good enough. You're never up to scratch. You're always, your job is always on the line. Mm. You're, everything's down to whether people like you, but not really whether people like you. It's whether or not you've got someone who champions you, who's got your back in a management position. Like I just found the whole thing, I find the whole thing quite triggering in that sense. <laughs> because that's, It's very tenuous. It's a very tenuous world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure is, sure is. Um, but yes, watch it just for... For all the glitz and glamour. And it's a soap opera too. It's just a massive mm. soap opera. So much drama. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here for that. What about you? What are you banging on about this week? Well, I've
0: got to say that I'm actually catching up on a bunch of stuff that you've recommended. So we've already talked about it. Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. Phenomenal. Thank you for that recommend. Um, shouting out to Fires as well. Like, Fires pretty much rolled off the back of the newsreader. It's the new mini series about the horrific 2019-2020 bushfires. I can't imagine how triggering this would be if you'd lived through that, so that's a massive warning and there is a warning on the series, Mm. but that was phenomenally done the first episode and I'll be watching the second this weekend. But I tell you what, I'm going all the way back into the archives and enjoying, because I forgot to watch the final season, Borgen, season three, the incredible Danish series about the stats minister, uh, the prime minister of Denmark, and I suddenly remembered, I was like, oh, my God, I never watched the final season. So I've jumped into SBS On Demand, where you can find all three seasons of Borgen. And I'm being reunited with Bridget, with Casper, with Katrine, with Torben, And it's really interesting, unintentionally I'm watching it at the same time as Germany is now trying to form a coalition government and I'm reminded, as I did when I watched Borgen for the first time, the first two series, like, oh, that's right, there's plenty of places around the world that don't have a two-party system, Mm. that have, you know, eight political parties and they need to work together and so a lot of different interests are negotiated and met and a lot of interests are served or not served. But um, what's happening in Germany is pretty much how government is formed in in Borgen as well. And so it's really interesting to watch that as that happens in a parallel way. But it's a total old school bang. But if you've never watched Borgen... Me, I've never watched it.
1: Oh, my God, you will (laughs) love it. It's so good. Okay. Okay, I do need something that I... It's phenomenal. You will love this. I will watch it properly because, well, this be honest, is the other tip to watching
0: watching it with subtitles means mm. that you're not double screening, and that's exactly the call my agent mental health mm. tip or any other show that has subtitles. You really do engage with it because you can't look away at your phone.
1: Well, speaking of subtitles, guess what else is coming back real soon? Might even be out. I'm not sure, but it has some subtitles because it's set in Paris. Emily in Paris. Oh God, <laughs> you're hate, on your own. You can hate watch that one as well. Uh, you can do it for us. It's good. It'll be, look, fashion fashion and Paris. That's all I need. It will be awful and I will hate every minute of it, but I will watch it.
0: Love it. Well, maybe more on that soon. I definitely feel like we had a lot to cover this week. God, two weeks off is too much in Bang On World, I isn't know, it?
1: I know. The world moves so fast these days, Anne. I don't know. I don't know where, whether I'm, where I'm at. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that Beryl? Oh my almost, God! Is Beryl was coming back? Beryl. I don't know. Didn't even have to get get out the Ouija board for that one. Yeah, I know. I think she might have. Beryl, she might have passed on. In Beryl, do you want me to put out the cuppa? Do you um, want me to put out the pot of tea? I seriously can't do her voice anymore. I've totally forgotten <laughs> how to do it. I'm going to work on that this week. That's my job, Beryl. I All right, should, I should, to I next know. week. Jen, uh, I've, I've, I haven't left this mortal coil. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm still here, still here. Looking forward to having a chat next week. Beryl, she's back! <laughs> Fuck, where did she come from? <laughs> that was hard. She sounded a bit posh, though. I need to work on our OG Beryl. I
0: think Beryl needed a bit of lem sip. She sounded a bit husky. Oh,
1: she, Beryl's been on the job, Zan. <laughs> Can't do her anymore. I just generally can't do her. <laughs> oh, Beryl's coming back. Beryl is coming back. Yep. Oh dear. On that note. See you next I've See you lost next my week, Beryl. Get us out of this <laughs> pandemic. Get us out of this pandemic. Alright, Beryl. See you next week. Love ya. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang.
0: Bang. Bang on.